0: Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Today we're going to continue speaking about the vision of the Way City Church. So the vision of the Way City Church is to reach the lost and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We reach the saints and the lost by being relevant to our generation. And we are completely open, as you know, to become all things to all people, only without the compromise of the word of God. We desire to be a mission-based, multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, economically diverse church that has a passion for God, that, that loves God passionately and has a passion for the spiritual development of people. This is our vision. Passion for God and a zeal for the spiritual development of people. Our vision in in simple, memorable terms is GED. We grow, we evangelize, we disciple. We grow through the study of God's word and worship. We evangelize by pursuing the lost and by sharing our story, which leads to his story. And we disciple by building meaningful relationships, and by sharing our very own lives. We believe that our vision, GED, encompasses the the three main purposes of the church. Number one, ministry to God, worship. Number two, ministry to the believer, nurture and discipleship. And number three, ministry to the world, evangelism and outreach. So last week we looked at the G in GED, And we spoke about growth, and we spoke about growing. And I focused on answering two questions last week. Number one was, how do we grow? And number two was, how do we measure growth? Last week, we were reminded that everything that is healthy continues to grow. Everything that is healthy continues to grow. So we must be continually growing. We never reach a place where we say, I'm good, I'm done, but we continually grow. And I hope that last week as we spoke about growth and we spoke about spending time in God's Word, I hope that we were able to begin to put God's Word into practice last week by spending time with Him, by having personal devotion with Him each and every single day. So I hope that we were not only hearers of the Word, but that we were doers of the Word and that we practiced it immediately. Today we focus on, on the E in GED, which is evangelism. When, when Billy Graham was asked the question, who will be your successor, he replied, the church. His response was, the church. And I believe that the, the power of evangelism and the greatest strategy for evangelism begins with prayer. Prayer begins with prayer. Praying for the lost will motivate you to speak to them. Praying for the lost will motivate you to speak to them. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus gives the disciples, he gives them strategy and he says, hey, listen, I want you to to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest and, and pray for the laborers. And then the very next verse is Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. So he first told them to pray for the harvest. And then Matthew 10 and verse 1, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So first he tells them to, to pray for those that are out there, then he empowers them then he empowers them. He says, pray for the lost, the broken, pray for them, then he empowers them in order for them to go. So first they pray, and then they go. He gives them power, and they go out there. And they do the work that they were just praying for. The folks that they were just praying for, now they're empowered to to visit. So prayer is the foundation by which every spiritual house is built. Prayer is the foundation by which every spiritual house is built. I shared a message when we first launched the church last year called Loving the Lost. And you can find it on our website, and God willing, I'm gonna share it again with you. But within that message, loving the lost, I said this. I said I, I used to believe that the number one reason why believers didn't share their faith was because of fear. That's what I used to believe. The number one reason why believers didn't share their faith was because of fear. Fear of rejection, fear of not being able to give a response to a challenging question or rebuttal, fear fear of saying the wrong thing. And, And while I believe that all these things are true and legitimate fears, there's another possibility that I never considered until 2008 when someone brought it to my attention. And this is a a very real possibility That many believers do not share their faith Because they just don't care I never considered that before But many believers don't share their faith It's not because of fear of anything They, They just don't care And it's easier, I believe, to coach someone through their fears of evangelism than it is to coach someone into caring. I I just can't make you care. Compassion is a a very difficult thing to, to teach an individual. You have to pray for the heart of Jesus. You have to pray for the heart of Jesus. So let me give you four reasons I believe that people do not share their faith. Number one, you don't know Christ. The Word of God itself has not taken root within you, so you don't share your faith because you don't know Christ. Number two is fear, whatever those fears may be. Number three is that you don't feel equipped. And then number four, you just don't. They say that the smallest ministry in the church is usually the the prayer ministry. And I would say, well, at least some churches have one. I would say that that most churches don't even have an evangelism group or evangelism ministry. And if they do, then that's definitely in competition with the prayer ministry as being the, the smallest among ministries. Let me ask you a, a couple of questions this morning. What would you do if an, if an angel appeared to you and gave you a message? What would you do if an angel appeared to you and gave you a message? Ask yourself that question. What would you do if this was repeated? An angel appeared to you for three days and gave you the same message. What would you do and how would you respond? I guess my question is how, how seriously would you take it? If you knew it, it was an angel from God, an angel of God, and the angel came to you and gave you a message and it was repeated for three days, how seriously on a scale of one to ten would you take it? Most of you, I believe, would say a ten. Now, I want to say this to you. Do not exalt the, the supernatural over the simplicity of the word. Do not exalt the supernatural over the simplicity of the Word of God. God's Word has given to you a message. God's Word has revealed to you a message, and it tells you to evangelize. God's Word commands it. God's Word commands you to evangelize if you are a believer. So let me me get this straight. For many, if an angel appeared to them and gave them a a message, they would embrace it and they would respond to it. But they reject God's word that brings to them a, a message continually of evangelism that they reject. So if it happened in a supernatural way, I would respond. But if it's just God's word, I'll reject. Mark 16 and verse 15. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. I think that, that most Christians believe in evangelism. I think, I think we all believe in evangelism. We believe that we should do it. However, many times the issue is this. What we believe and what we do are completely different. That's the, that's the problem with us as believers. Many times what we believe and what we do are completely different. What we believe versus what we do. As Christians, we, we've we been trained to, to answer questions without ever understanding our answers. But we know what the right answers are. And I think that's how we're trained in life, right? We're, we're trained to to have the right answers to the questions of tests but never really understand the information. But if we know what the answer is, then we can pass the test without any kind of understanding. And we bring that into Christianity, right, where we know how to say the right things. We know the Christian language, but we don't yet practice and do what it tells us to do. But we can blend in and fit in pretty well without actually obeying what the Word of God says. I want to show you a testimony this morning. It's about eight minutes long on the screens. And this is one of the most powerful testimonies on evangelism that I've ever heard. One of the most powerful testimonies on evangelism. And it's called The, the Man from George Street. And and every now and again, I want you guys to understand this, every now and again in history and in our lives, God will, God peels back the curtain and he allows us to see what's going on behind the scenes. And this is one of those stories. And when God does that, when God peels back the curtain and allows us to see what's going on behind the scenes, it is truly amazing. So this is one of those stories.
1: This message is non-copyright. Duplication is encouraged. A number of years ago, in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in Southern London, the Sunday morning service was closing and a stranger stood up at the back, raised his hand and He said, excuse me pastor, can I share a little testimony? The pastor looked at his watch He said, you've got three minutes. And this man proceeded. He said, I've just moved into this area. I used to live in another part of London. I came from Sydney in Australia. And just a few months back, I was visiting some relatives, and I was walking down George Street. You know where George Street is in Sydney. It runs from the business hub out to the rocks, the colonial area. And he said, a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway, put a pamphlet in my hand, and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I was astounded by those words. Nobody had ever told me that. I thanked him courteously, and all the way on British Airlines, back to Heathrow, this puzzled me. I called a friend who lived in this new area, where I'm living now, And thank God he was a Christian. He led me to Christ. And I'm a Christian and I want a fellowship here. And Baptists love testimonies like it. Everyone applauded and welcomed him into the fellowship. That Baptist pastor flew to Adelaide in Australia the next week. And ten days later, in the middle of a three-day series in a Baptist church in Adelaide, a woman came to him for counseling and he wanted to establish where she stood with Christ. And she said, I used to live in Sydney. And just a couple of months back, I was visiting friends in Sydney doing some last-minute shopping down George Street, and a strange little white-haired man, elderly man, stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a pamphlet, and said, excuse me, ma'am, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? She said, I was disturbed by those words. When I got back to Adelaide, I knew this Baptist church was on the next block from me, and I sought out the pastor, and he led me to Christ. So, sir, I'm telling you that I am a Christian. Now, this London pastor was now very puzzled. Twice, within a fortnight, he'd heard the same testimony. He then flew to preach in the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Perth. And when his teaching series was over, the senior elder of that church took him out for a meal. And he said, mate, how would you get saved? He said, I grew up in this church from the age of 15 through boys' brigade. Never made a commitment to Jesus, just hopped on the bandwagon like everybody else. And because of my business ability, grew up to a place of influence. I was on a business outing in Sydney just three years ago. And an obnoxious, spiteful little man stepped out of a stop shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, cheap junk, and accosted me with a question. Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I tried to tell him I was a Baptist elder. He wouldn't listen to me. He said, I was seeding with anger all the way home on Qantas to, to Perth. He said, I told my pastor, thinking he would sympathize with me, and my pastor agreed. He had been disturbed for years, knowing that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and he was right. And my pastor led me to Jesus just three years ago. Now, this London preacher, flew back to the UK and was speaking at the Keswick Convention in the Lake District. And he threw in these three testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, four elderly pastors came up and said, we got saved between 25 and 35 years ago, respectively, through that little man on George Street giving us a tract and asking us that question. He then flew the following week to a similar Keswick Convention in the Caribbean to missionaries. And he shared the testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, three missionaries came up and said we got saved between 15 and 25 years ago respectively through that little man's testimony and asking us that same question on George Street in Sydney. Coming back to London he stopped outside Atlanta Georgia to speak at a naval chaplains convention and when his three days of revving these naval chaplains up over a thousand of them in soul winning, the chaplain general took him out for a meal and he said how do you become a Christian? He said, well, it was miraculous. I was a rating on a United States battleship, and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing exercises in the South Pacific, and we docked in Sydney Harbor for replenishments. We hit King's Cross with a vengeance. I got blind drunk. I got on the wrong bus, got off in George Street, and (laughs) as I got off the bus, I thought it was a ghost. This elderly, white-haired man jumped in front of me, pushed a pamphlet in my hand, and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, you're going to heaven. He said, The fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked, sober, and ran back to the battleship, sought out the chaplain. The chaplain led me to Christ, and I soon began to prepare for the ministry under his guidance. And here I am in charge of over a thousand chaplains, and we're bent on soul winning today. That London preacher, six months later, flew to do a convention for 5,000 Indian missionaries in a remote corner of northeastern India, and at the end, The Indian missionary in charge, a humble little man took him home to his humble little home for a simple meal. And he said, how did you as a Hindu come to Christ? He said, I was in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic mission. And I traveled the world. And I am so glad for the forgiveness of Christ and his blood covering my sin. Because I'd be very embarrassed if people found out what I got into. He said, one bout of diplomatic service took me to Sydney. And I was doing some last-minute shopping laden with parcels of toys and clothing for my children, walking down George Street. And this courteous little white-haired man stepped down in front of me, offered me a pamphlet, and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. I got back to my town, I sought out the Hindu priest and he couldn't help me. But he gave me some advice. He said, just to satisfy your curious mind, nothing else, go and talk to the missionary in the mission house at the end of the road. And that was fatal advice. He said, because that day the missionary led me to Christ. I quit Hinduism immediately and then began to study for the ministry. I left the diplomatic service and here I am by God's grace in charge of all these missionaries and we are winning hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Well, eight months later, that Crystal Palace Baptist pastor was ministering in Sydney, in Guymea, southern suburb of Sydney, and he said to the Baptist minister, do you know a little man, an elderly little man, who witnesses and hands out tracts on George Street? And he said, I do, his name is Mr. Genor, G-E-N-O-R, but I don't think he does it anymore, he's too frail and elderly. The man said, I want to meet him. Two nights later they went around to this little apartment, knocked on the door, and this tiny, frail little man opened the door. He sat them down, made them some tea, and he was so frail he was slopping tea into the saucer as he shook. And as he sat with them, this London preacher told him all these accounts over the previous three years. This little man sat with tears running down his cheeks. He said, my story goes like this. He said, I was a rating on an Australian warship, and I lived a reprobate life, and in a crisis, I really hit the wall, and one of my colleagues, whom I gave literal hell, was there to help me. He led me to Jesus, and the change in my life was night to day in 24 hours. And I was so grateful to God. I promised God that I would share Jesus in a simple witness with at least 10 people a day. As God gave me strength. Sometimes I was ill, I couldn't do it, but I made up for it for other times. I wasn't paranoid about it, but I have done this for over 40 years. And in my retirement years, the best place was on George Street. There were hundreds of people. I got lots of rejections but a lot of people courteously took the tracks and he said, in 40 years of doing this I've never heard of one single person coming to Jesus until today. You know, I would say that has to be commitment. That has to be just sheer gratitude and love for Jesus to do that, not hearing of any results. Margarita did a little count. That's 146,100 people. That simple little non-charismatic Baptist man influenced somehow to Jesus and I believe what God was showing that Baptist minister was the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of this iceberg goodness knows how many more had been arrested for Christ and were doing huge jobs out in the mission field Mr. Gennor died two weeks later and can you imagine the reward he went home to in heaven I doubt if his face would ever have appeared on Charisma magazine I doubt if there would ever have been a write-up with a photograph in Billy Graham's Decision magazine, as beautiful as those magazines are. Nobody except a little group of Baptists in southern Sydney knew about Mr. Ginnall, but I'll tell you, his name was famous in heaven. Heaven knew Mr. Ginnall, and you can imagine the welcome and the red carpet and the fanfare he went home to when he arrived in glory. Wow.
0: Right? I mean... Incredible, incredible testimony, incredible testimony of faith. So every now and again, God peels back the curtain and he allows us to see what's going on behind the scenes. This man witnessed for 40 years and never heard of one person coming to faith and then about, what, two weeks before he dies, he has this conversation with a man who explains to him some of the folks that came to Jesus because of his witness and some of the great things that they were doing all over the world. Incredible story of faith. Let me say this to you, and let me make this this very, very clear. If you do not evangelize, then you have absolutely no right to, to criticize another man or woman's evangelism method or approach. If you, if you do not evangelize, then you have no right to criticize another man or woman's evangelism approach. Some people say, you know, I, I just don't agree with open-air preachers. I just don't agree with, with tracks. I just don't agree with X, Y, or Z, whatever it is. Again, if you're not out, out on the streets, then you have no right to criticize another individual's evangelism method. Would you agree? Amen. So, so if you're out on the streets, then I'll listen to, to the methods that you have. But if you're not, then, then you really have no say in this matter. At TWCC, we evangelize by pursuing the lost and by sharing our story, which leads to his story. I want to get rid of some uh, major misconceptions real quick. You thought perhaps that it was the evangelist's job to evangelize. Remember Ephesians 4, 11 and 12? We went over this. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, Pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So it is the evangelist's job not only to evangelize, but is but it is the evangelist's job to equip you for the work of evangelism and for the work of the ministry. And, you know... <laughs> It's 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 only in in America, and I've said this before, but it's only in America that I've I've heard, and maybe some other parts of the Western world, that people believe this this crazy doctrine about not being gifted to evangelize. Uh, I'm just I'm just not gifted to evangelize, brother. That's just not my gifting. That's just not my that's not my thing. I uh, I only hear that. I've only ever heard that here. Not my gifting, and it's like. Just just pause, it's like, what? I, I, it, 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 it blows, I've heard it many times, so many times, and it, and it blows my mind. And it's like, you as a Christian, you're telling me you're not gifted to tell people about Jesus. You're not gifted as a believer to tell other people about Jesus. That's not your gifting. It's impossible It's impossible, my friend Impossible Interestingly, everyone wants to know what their calling is Everyone wants to know what their, what their purpose is God's, God's plan for their life Everyone wants to know that right? Lord, what's your plan for me? What's your purpose for me? What's my calling? What's my ministry? The question is, why do you want to know it? Why? Why do you want to know God's calling for your life? Why do you want to know His plan for your life? Why do you want to know? What's, what's the purpose of knowing? What would you do if you knew? Is my question to you. God's plan, God's purpose, God's calling. God told me. God told me what His plan is. What his purpose is, what his calling is for you. God told me. And I'm gonna share that with you. Amen. Are you ready for it? Now, now now, now if I were you, I'd be writing this down. Right? Because this is this is God's plan, this is his purpose, this is his calling, this is his ministry for you. Alright, so here it is. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen through nineteen. This is where it is found. I hope you're ready for it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Verse 18, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Wow. Amen. And we usually stop right there at verse 18. At the, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. But wait, there's more. He hasn't only reconciled us to himself, but he reconciled us, not just so that we could be reconciled, but also, that we would what, accept the ministry given to us, which is reconciling others to Christ Jesus. Freely we receive, freely we give. So we haven't been reconciled to Him just for the purpose of being reconciled, but there's more to it than that. We've been reconciled to Him, and now... We reconcile others to him through this ministry that he's given to us, through the word of reconciliation. Mark 16, 15 again, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And I've I've said this before, but in my, in my mind, my plan would be that after baptism, that we immediately go straight to heaven. That would be a perfect plan. For me, we get baptized, we go to heaven. Perfect plan. I think that would work out perfectly. Baptism, heaven. But that's not God's plan. Many other plans are in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. God's plan is different. God does not want us in heaven after salvation immediately immediately after baptism but he wants us here on the earth so when we come to know him and then we're baptized we don't immediately go there because God wants us here for a reason and for a purpose and that purpose is so that others may know him and that's the only purpose the reason why God extends our life after we've come to know him and after we've publicly professed through baptism that we are his, the reason why he does that is not so that we can live a long life and, and work and make a lot of money so that we can take care and pay for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren's college. That's, that's not the reason That's not the purpose The purpose is not for us to be successful In this life So that we can live good lives When we're old Many people, they they work and they live To prepare for retirement And I think about that You know, you, you work till, till you're Depends. 60, 65, whatever, whatever, right? And, and, you, and you work. And you work hard. And, and your hope is preparation for retirement. That when you can no longer work, that you'll be well taken care of. But there's something, there's something greater than that, and there's a spiritual aspect to that, that. That God is calling us to. Our lives on the earth, is like the, the job that you would work out for 40, 45 years. We, we live here and we're, and we're placed here for the, for the sole purpose of bringing people to know him, that we would prepare ourselves for eternity and prepare others for eternity. That's why we're here on the earth. And no other reason. That we would get to know him while we're here and introduce others to him. I said this in the past too, but I want on my tombstone a man who served God's purpose in his own generation. That's how David was known, a man who served God in his generation. And that's how I would love to be known. On my tombstone, a man who served God's purpose within his own generation. There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing greater that we can do in this life. And yes, God calls us to, um, to other forms of work. Yes, he does. And rightfully so. But that's not the main thing. That's what I want to remind you of this morning. That's not the main thing. The main thing is that people would know him. And we could, we could stop there. Today, because that's really the, the, the point of the message that you would know that truth, that you would know it, that you would know it, that you would know it, that you would know it. That's, that's the purpose of today's message. And that you would hear it, and that you would be obedient to God's word and take on this, this great responsibility and say, Lord, here am I, send me. But we're going to continue. Let's look at these scriptures 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place It's beautiful Now Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. 2 Corinthians 2.15 For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. That's powerful. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the fragrance of Christ. Through us, He diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. That's who we are. And I'm going to read this in the, in the NLT, verse 14 and 15 and 16, But thank God, He has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? Beautiful. Another misconception. Have you guys ever heard this? Preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel, when necessary, use words. I hate that. I do. I, I, I do. I, I hate that. Preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. I don't know about you, but I'm most effective when I speak. I'm most effective in in sharing the gospel when I speak. And and I understand that your life and your actions can can definitely hinder someone from receiving what you're saying. I totally understand that. If your life is contrary to what you say you believe, that I understand. But you better use words when you share the gospel, my friend. When you share the gospel, use words. Words are important. Words are what he has given to us. So we often say that, I believe, as a crutch, not to share the gospel. Oh yeah, I, I, I share the gospel every day. Just walking around, just, just going to the grocery store, when people see me, I'm the gospel. Everywhere I go, I share the gospel with my life. No. No. And I'm glad that our evangelism group that's beginning on, on Thursday evenings, I'm glad that they won't be teaching people how to share the silent gospel. That's, that's, that's not what you're going to be taught, how to share the silent gospel, because the gospel must be spoken. And the gospel is, is a message. And yes, it's a message that we live out, but it's also a message that we proclaim through our words. Amen, church. Three specific points that I want to leave with you before I close today. And the evangelistic points are part of our strategic um, vision from our church, from our vision perspective. So, number one, there's, there's power in pursuit. There is power in pursuit. We as a church, we're actively pursuing the lost by having a group that is dedicated to make sure that our church does not lose that focus. So the Evangelism City Group will be training you and will be equipping you to share your faith. That will be the purpose. And they will be going into the streets of Woodbridge for no other purpose but to share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. I mentioned earlier the, the four reasons. I believe that people don't share their faith. They don't know Christ, number one. Number two, fear. Number three, they don't feel equipped. Number four, they don't care. The evangelism group can help you, I believe, with the first three. They'll be able to help you with that. The evangelism group's gonna begin meeting on Thursday, November fourth, from seven thirty p.m. To nine PM and you can sign up for that in the back today. But November fourth is when that group begins and again from seven thirty until nine and it will be every Thursday. And again they will begin with, with teaching and equipping and preparing you and then eventually you'll be going out into the streets. And Sean and Curtis will be leading that group and they will lead you very, very well. So again, you can sign up in the back, and you can also sign up for the biblical application city group that we're going to have, and I'll mention more of that uh, next week, but that's going to be um, based on the sermon, based on the message that is spoken on Sunday. Um, You guys are going to be able to get together um, and and speak and dive into that a little bit deeper. Obviously, on a Sunday morning, I'm speaking to you and you're listening, but that will be an opportunity for you to, to speak back. Right? So it will be uh, open, open discussion based on the messages uh, that are preached on Sunday. So you get to dive into that a lot deeper, uh, and you get to, um, to really build meaningful relationships, and great discipleship will take place there. So sign up for that in the back as well if you are interested. Both will be on Thursday, November 4th. Both will start at 7.30 um, until 9 p.m. And then our plan is to start another city group. Have you guys heard of The Chosen? So, so The Chosen is an incredible um, drama uh, of, of the Bible, of the biblical story uh, of Christ. It is, it is really, it is really good. It is really, really good. So the goal is going to be for me to start one of those up, and that will be um, on a Tuesday, so it doesn't conflict if you want to be in one of the other groups. And um, we're going to start that, that later um, in, in the month, I mean later in the year. We're going to start that group, God willing. So take note for those three city groups. Luke 19 and verse 10, right? He came, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's the purpose why our Lord and Savior came. To seek and to save that which was lost. And then before he left, he gave us the great commission. Mark 16, in Luke as well, and also in Matthew chapter 28. So, there's power in pursuit, number one. Number two, there's power in your story. There's power in pursuit. There's power in your story. Your testimony is powerful. And it's a very simple and and easy way to share your faith. You've experienced it. You've lived it. You know it. Now share it. Share what God has done in your own life. Because no one can deny what Jesus has done in you. No one can deny that. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Now in context, this verse is talking about overcoming Satan. But within this verse... It's also revealed to us that there's truly tremendous power that's available and that works within us when we share our testimony. Within our testimony there's there's a power that is there. So there's power in our story, in your story. And then finally there's power in an invitation. There's power in an invitation inviting someone. There is power in that the woman at the well in John chapter 4, she encountered Jesus. She came to the well because she thought that she needed physical water. That's why she came to the well. And you guys can, can read that. We won't read that for sake of time. But she left the well full of spiritual water. She came for physical water and she left with spiritual water. And she was satisfied without ever taking a sip of the natural, she was satisfied by the spiritual because Jesus offered her something. But then this woman, she goes home, she goes to her town, and she tells all the men a story and invites them to come and see a real man. And there was something about that invitation that that caused the men from that town, the men from that city, and, and, and all came because she invited them to the feet of Jesus, and they came to Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, their life was transformed, but they came to Jesus because of her invitation. They, they stayed with Jesus and was transformed by Jesus because of his words, but they came to him because of her invitation. That's why they came. So there's power in an invitation. And again, you guys can read that story in John chapter 4. There's power in and in quotation. Freely we received, so freely we are to give. In my conclusion, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, Here's the the simple message of the good news that's available for you here today. And if you do know Jesus, then here are some simple steps in sharing your faith with someone who does not. First of all, before I get into the steps, I want you to understand that, 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 um, that religion is all about ladders. Religion is all about ladders. Ladders. It's about bridging the gap between us and between God. And every single religion teaches us how to climb ladders, trying to get to God, right? Your works is one step closer to God on this never-ending, everlasting ladder. And if you do good, if you do good things, you can get one step closer. But no one has ever climbed the ladder. No one's ever made it to the top because you can't. The, the Tower of Babel deception was this. I can create my own path to heaven. I can create my own path to heaven. I can build a physical tower with the work of my own hands. And I can, I can get to God by what I can do and by what I can build. But no one's ever lived th- to tell us what's, what's at the top Of that ladder And every single religion again is the same Climb the ladder, try your best But Christianity is the only faith It's the only faith It's the only religion That doesn't speak to us about climbing a ladder But Jesus Climbed down the ladder He came down To us And he came to us Every other religion teaches How you must try to get to him But Christianity is about Jesus coming down to us He came to us because we didn't have the ability to climb a ladder So he came down to us And he replaced the ladder with himself And he says, I am the bridge I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life No one gets to the father, no one Doesn't matter where you're from How you got, no one gets to the Father except through me. Nobody. I am the bridge. I am myself. I am the ladder. I've made the way for you. And this is the basic gospel message. Right? We know that God does love you and that he does have a plan for your life just as he loved Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11 speaks about the plans that God has for, has for him, and he has plans for you too. And Jeremiah 31, 3, he's loved you with an everlasting love. So God's love for you cannot be questioned. He loves you so much. But there's a problem. Man is sinful and separated from God. And Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin has separated us from God. Romans 6 and verse 23 speaks about the consequences of sin is eternal death. So yes, we're separated from God. But there are consequences because of that. And it is eternal consequences. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we've sinned, and the prize for sin, our reward for sin, is death. But there's a solution. The solution, again, is Jesus Christ. And Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us that God demonstrated his love for us in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is not something that's just just spoken, but it's demonstrated. And it's demonstrated through the cross. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. I've heard people say, I'll come to Christ when I get right. I can't come to Christ right now because of my sin. And, and they don't understand the gospel. That's why they need you. To tell them the truth. And I, and I often give this example to people on the streets. I ask them, have you ever gone fishing before? Yeah, I've gone fishing before. And I say, can you clean up a fish before you catch it? And they all respond, no. And I say, well, it's exactly the same with Christ. They're trying to clean themselves up before they come to him, not knowing that they come to him how they are, and then He does the work of cleaning them up. First you have to catch the fish, and then you clean it up and you prepare it, you cook it, whatever. So we come to Him in our brokenness, in our sin, that's how we come to Him, and He does the work of righteousness and cleaning us up. He does that work in us and through us. And even if I asked you on your deathbed, are you, are you ready? You still wouldn't be ready because there will still be sin. In your life. So you must understand that He does that work and we come to Him as we are in our sin, in our brokenness. We come to Him and He receives us. And finally, you must trust and believe to receive Him. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you will be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And that is available for you today, you who are online and you who are in the room. That's the message that's available for you because God loves you. And if you do know him today, then that's a, that's a simple gospel presentation. God loves you. All have sinned, that's the problem. The consequence of sin is death, still a problem. Jesus Christ is the solution. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart to save you. And that work of salvation begins. Amen? Amen. Can we stand up, please? Bow your heads, please. Bow your heads, please. And think about the word, the message that you heard today. There's, um, I remember. I was in Oklahoma in, um, in Bible College, and I remember I was, um, I was leading an evangelism, I used to lead an evangelism group every Saturday night, and would go out on the streets and, and evangelize and, and share our faith and so on, but there was also an evangelism group that met on Saturday mornings, and someone else led that, and there was one morning where they couldn't lead, so they asked me to come in and to and to lead that group, and I remember that we, we did our training session and everything else, and then we had to decide where to go that morning. And I remember clearly uh, the Holy Spirit saying Woma, just just prompting that you guys need to go to Woma. So I remember I was driving the the uh, fourteen passenger bus or whatever, and there was a couple buses. Um, and I remember just just getting lost and you know and and couldn't find it, but I almost went somewhere else. But but I kept hearing this impression: go to Walmart, go to Walmart. So found my way, and we got to Walmart, and we had an amazing time of evangelism that day. Um, many people shared their faith, and you know people professed faith in Jesus. And that was that was Saturday. Now on. Wednesday or Thursday, we had um, a call center, and we basically'd call the people that we ministered to during the week to see how they were doing, to check in with them. and one of the names on the list, so we, we called on that, that Thursday or whatever, and when we called the, the sister of, of the young man I answered the phone, and she was weeping and she was crying because the person who we called to speak to had died. She, she said that her brother was killed two or three days before. So basically, we ministered to him on Saturday and he died on Monday. And she was weeping. And she was mm-hmm. crying. And it was such a sobering moment for us because we just knew, again, God kind of peeled back the, the curtain, and we knew that we were supposed to be there for a reason. And this young man, he was like 20 years old. And when he went to Walmart that Saturday, he had no idea that was his last weekend on the earth. He was 20 years old and, and, and had plans for his future, but had no idea that in two days he would slip into eternity. And he did. But praise God that Jesus met him before he slipped into eternity. And that he professed faith in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God has you here for a reason. Sometimes we're gonna hear stories like the ones I shared and like the one that we saw on the screen today And sometimes we'll have no idea, when we share our faith, the result. But just know that God's Word works. And God's the one that produces the fruit. One plants, another waters, but God brings forth the increase. Father, we thank you for your Word today. Father, we thank you for your Word that was heard, for your Word that was spoken father we thank you that your word is powerful your word is alive and father I pray Lord for anyone in this room or online that doesn't know you Lord I pray that they will today Lord your word says that we're not promised tomorrow tomorrow is not promised but today is right now is right now we're living in the promise of today but tomorrow is not promised so father I pray that they would call upon you right where they are and that you would save their souls. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for them being here today. Thank you for those online. And Father, for those that do know you, thank you, Lord, for them bringing this message of truth to their neighbors and those around them. We bless you, Father. We magnify you. We glorify you. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.